Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Tailgating. Tailgates. Yeah, tailgating's always a blast. Yeah! It's time to start your Raider football day with the morning tailgate with your hosts, Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor, and Heidi Fang on Raider Nation Radio. Welcome back to the third hour of Raider Nation Radio. Good morning, everybody. It's the morning tailgate. Vinny Bonsignor, Clay Baker, Heidi Fang with the day off today. We'll rejoin her very, very soon. Here on RNR 920, it's a Freestyle Wednesday. 69187 is the Salmon Ash text line. Salmon Ash will also hit us up at 945 for a little street legal. We'll do a little update on the Deshaun Watson case as he begins to get adjourned towards the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, and what he has to say in doing the punishment according to the collective bargaining agreement. 69187 Salmon Ash line as we broadcast live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studios. Minnie and Clay on your Wednesday and joining us now is Trista Crick. The great sports betting and host personality with Odyssey, her show with BetMGM every weekday, Monday through Friday from 7 to 11 Eastern. And also the great host on Saturday nights on WFAN. Follow her on Twitter at Trista underscore Crick. Trista, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Just really quick, I was thinking about y'all uh, before when Vinny, when Vinny texted me. And I was thinking to myself, there's just something about the Raiders now that you guys are in Vegas. Yes. Like it's you're a sexy team now. You're investing money in players. You're going out and making money moves mm-hmm. for probably the best receiver uh, in all of the NFL. I don't know why more people aren't hyping the Raiders up, given that you really gave the Cincinnati Bengals hell. I don't mean to like, you know, I don't mean to like buff you guys out and you know pump you up just to start the show. But I was just thinking about the Raiders today, and there's just something different going from Oakland to Las Vegas. I don't know what it is about the desert, but you guys have me excited. I completely agree, and I want to take you right there, uh, Trista. In terms of how Las Vegas, the betting people, uh, are, are, are viewing uh, the Raiders, and, I, and that's specifically one of the reasons that I wanted to, uh, to bring you on the show, including talking about some NBA, which we will get to. Uh, but is Las Vegas and is the betting world kind of overlooking, a little sleeping maybe, on uh, the Raiders? Yeah, I think so. I'm looking to try to find where you're at right now in terms of the divisions because it's uh, sometimes BetMGM is a little bit slippery. For you guys to win the AFC West, and listen, I know the Chiefs are always going to be the favorite. That makes sense to me. Right. But the Chiefs, the Chiefs have lost pieces that were very integral to what they wanted to do in the Honey Badger and in Tyreek uh, as well. And let's be honest, too, like, the Chiefs have fallen victim to complacency. They had a lot of stinkers last year. So if I'm going to place money on where the value is to take the Raiders to win the AFC West at plus 600, I might actually do that today. 
I think you'd find the value there because everyone's eyes perceptually is on what the Chargers will do or Russell Wilson in Denver and constantly the Chiefs always uh, keep churning and and turning the needle around but you know for the Raiders they have a lot of pieces in place not only a 10-win team that made the playoffs last year as you said but Josh McDaniels is not going to leave New England to uh, to do anything that's not going to get them back to the playoffs and put an evolution on his career but also something that can push buttons and what Derek Carr has been trying to do for the past nine seasons. Yeah, I think that the thing for me, the number one question mark is just like the running game and how healthy Josh is going to be. <clears throat> but in terms of pass catchers, Hunter Renfro, like Hunter Renfro might be one of the top possession receivers uh, in the NFL that's like very underrated. I think Darren Waller is up there with the greats at tight end as well. Like, And now you add Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams has that embedded chemistry with Derek Carr where there is going to be a very, very, like, limited learning curve because they've already played with each other and they already have that connection. So to take Devontae and put him on any team, you could say, oh, well, there's going to be some time and some learning that is going to need to happen in order for that quarterback-receiver connection to take place. And I just think it's going to be like getting back on a bicycle. Trista, um, from a betting perspective, is there a sneaky, low-key MVP potential candidate residing here in Las Vegas, playing for a team that wears silver and black? <laughs> Let me look at the odds really fast. Let me just go and see, because, again, these tabs on BetMGM, what are the odds for them? What are the odds for, for Derek? What are the odds for Devontae? We'll take a look at that, but I would imagine that they're, it's, it's a, it would be a pretty good bet, potentially. I would have to say somewhere between 25 and 40 to 1 for either one of those guys. Yeah, let me see where it is. Come on now, give it to me. Give <laughs> because it to me. because Carr was, you know, he finished third in the AP uh, voting for play MVP in 2016. So we're years removed from that. But I'd have to think, like, you know what? If he's finally guaranteed with a guy like Devonte Adams, who he's got a great relationship with, and then with Josh McDaniels, like that could oh, be somebody that launches themselves into that mix, right. into that conversation. Derek Carr, you're right. It's, he's 25 to one. Mm. Oh, that's juicy. I love that. Talk me so into it, Chester. I, I actually thought Derek, and I, I would tell you if I didn't think this, but I said this last year, too. His uh, passing yards were on pace to be in the MVP conversation yes. early on in the season, even last year. Like, I think he was on pace, just on pace. Obviously, he didn't, it didn't happen. But in the first, like, four to six games, I mean, he was putting up these video game numbers where if you were to extrapolate that out to the full season, it was like six thousand yards what are we ta- what are we talking about right now and then he's Henry- taking another step and he's putting up video game numbers which you have to imagine with Devonte, uh hunter renfro and obviously Derek waller uh, darren waller as well you have to think he's going to still be able to put up those those god godly ungodly numbers and then the winning will come in ways that maybe it didn't early on in the season last year too he was a very you know we got to see some stinkers from Derek carr but still, the yardages in the stinkers were still really good. It's Trisha Crick here with us on, e- on Raider Nation Radio. She's with WFAN on Saturday nights, and of course, her great show uh, on Odyssey weekdays, seven to ten, seven to eleven Eastern. Uh, I loved it what you were doing last night, and congratulations on your one year anniversary, by the way, on your show with Bet MGM. Uh, and wasn't that a great night though? When you get like the youngin from Pittsburgh, o- O'Neill Cruz. I mean, he's six foot seven. He's absolutely hilarious. But you guys had a bunch of great betting numbers on him that you guys cashed in. But isn't that one of the best moments of the summer? 
summer that somebody like him can go and take over the entire night? You know what? Two things stuck out to me about that. One, I think that's the greatest bet I've ever made in my life because <laughs> I don't think anyone was giving out O'Neill Cruz uh, stolen base props. No. Like, I, I didn't see one. I Even when I gave it out on the show, I got some strange looks. You're talking about the kid's second game, right? But it just looked like he is dangerous. It just looks like he wants to run. He got thrown out at third, uh, rounding the third on a double. Uh, on a um, double, And you just look at him, you're like, this speed is unreal. So it was plus 800 last night when I took it. Ooh. I looked at it today. BetMGM's already changed the odds to 290. Wow. Plus <laughs> 290. So they've caught on. And I kind of feel responsible for even, like, telegraphing it since BetMGM is our sponsor, right? Uh, but I think that he's going to do this all year. I actually think O'Neill Cruz might be the baseball's John Morant, a, a guy that you call in, you, you tune into. And, and this is like maybe John Morant's first year, right, when the team wasn't very good. Pirates aren't a good team right now, but they are fun. And you tune in, and I'm going to tune in just to see what O'Neill Cruz does because he's six foot seven, tallest guy to ever play shortstop in history. Like, why is this kid not playing the outfield? Right. I don't know, but I love it. <laughs> it's insane. That is insane. I, I, baseball needs more of that, where you know you just tune in to watch a Mike Trout out bat, uh, at bat, or uh, or Otani, or or some of these young stars. Uh, they need to cultivate that a little bit more. I think that's a little bit on baseball to uh, to get that uh, to get that going. All right, just I know that there's. Yeah. Go ahead. Real, real quick to finish that point, and on top of that, I think it's up to the league, and whenever we can get you know the next collective bargaining agreement. There needs to be a real emphasis on making sure that these young players don't get stashed in the minor leagues because teams want to keep them right. and keep the years yep. of service down. O'Neill Cruz has already been in the minors multiple years. He played last year, and they brought him back down. So if, if it's not for the, like, the teams like Pittsburgh who want to keep them to himself, themselves, he would have already been in the major league. Yeah, no doubt about it. Pittsburgh is looking on the playing the long game with that, like uh, trying to keep control of him as long as possible. Uh, and yeah. and those days in the major leagues adds up to that service time. And so, um, and that is it's depriving the fans. And the fact is, he's the best option for a team like the Pittsburgh uh, Pirates. There's no doubt that he's the best option right now. But because of the way the, the things are structured, um, the fans aren't going to uh, get a chance to always see players like that because teams have. I bet. Right. And I bet if they got more uh, regional television revenue as a result of, and I think that he will, I think that's how electric he is. I think that there's a, a television ratings bump as a result of him being out there because I'm watching and I would never watch otherwise. I'm sure people in Pittsburgh and I'm sure just baseball fans in general want to tune in to see what he does. And maybe that incentive keeps him, you know, keeps these teams honest. That's a that's a great point. Uh, all right, just I know that there's a sport that's near and dear to your heart. Uh, you're great at covering it. Uh, you're great at tweeting about it uh, as well. And that's the NBA. And every day, just a, it seems like somebody else is coming out and talking about the possibility of the NBA here in Las Vegas. There's a project uh, that's that's uh, under consideration uh, for an arena and a casino and a hotel. Uh, there's some power people behind uh, that uh, that that project. LeBron James has come out and talked about it. Um, uh, yesterday, DeMarcus Cousins in an interview spoke about wanting to be part of whatever LeBron's uh, eventually going to do to bring the NBA. It feels like it's going to happen. It feels like everything is pointing in that direction. How hyped, how crazy 
crazy, how insane, and how uh, good would it be for an NBA team to be here in Las Vegas? First and foremost, I think that's the number one team. I mean, that's the number one city that a team should go to, and that includes Seattle. Like, I love Seattle as a Portland Trailblazers fan. You know, we had a huge rivalry with them. You know, actually, the teams would drive back and forth yeah. um, because it was more efficient. It just really was this awesome Northwest rivalry. And for me, as a Pacific Northwest native, to come out and say, I would prefer to see a team in Las Vegas. Now, if it's a team that's moved, I'd love to see Memphis move to Las Vegas. I would love to see John Morant uh, mm. in a Las Vegas uniform. I don't even know what that would look like <laughs> in terms of how crazy uh, the Instagram stories would be. But, yeah, I think... I think that Las Vegas in general, as betting, as sports betting has become legalized, has just become a much more attractive destination for everything. Not just the conferences of the world where it's like a low-key conference where everyone knows what the, the real reason for it being there is. Like, now it's a place that's been normalized. I love Vegas. I'm going to be out there for all of Summer League for the NBA. I think that's the number one place that Adam Silver should look to before Seattle because it's just going to draw in not only revenue, eyeballs, and just excitement for the city and excitement for the game. Well, it also starts to even things out in the West. And, you know, like you said, like, you know, the the way things used to be with Seattle and Vancouver, there needed to be more West balance for these teams. And maybe Las Vegas is, could be a part of that rotation. But, you know, even even then, well, is this an expansion time? I mean, do you feel like the NBA and the talent that's there, is this time for two expansion teams? Or is this something where you start finding relocation in the NBA? Yeah, that's kind of what I was wondering. I think... You know, Memphis's uh, deal is up in a, in a couple of years. I've heard chatter about them relocating. Okay. Now, I know that Adam Silver has said something about wanting to expand before relocating just because especially teams that have developed roots and developed a community inside of that city, it's really hard. We saw that with the Rams, Vince. Um, people from St. Louis were really upset. Uh, when That's how me and Vince got to know each other. It was yes. the Rams' first year in L.A., back in L.A., and you can see that there, there was really some, some growing pains in terms of the culture. Las Vegas, if you were to take and like have a, a team that has an established brand and an established culture and move them, you guys would have to tell me. What's it like now with the, with the Raiders being Las Vegas and all of the fans that were from L.A. and from Oakland kind of trying to migrate there? It's become a wild weekend uh, in uh, in Las Vegas, and I think I think when you think about where you know the Raiders were going to end up if it wasn't going to happen uh, in Oakland, and obviously there was a lot, there was just an uphill climb uh, in Oakland for various reasons. Um, but if it wasn't going to happen uh, in Las Vegas, and then LA got shut out to them. You, you couldn't have picked a better place than Las Vegas. You couldn't because yeah. uh, it's a place that everybody loves to come to. It's close to their fan bases in Los Angeles and in the Bay Area and really up and down uh, you know that, that southwest corridor, people from Arizona as well. And on top of that, Trista, what's, what's really cool about it is that you get Raider Nation, Raider fans coming in for a game here or there from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, New York, uh, Hawaii. We've seen people come from out of out of uh, the country uh, here to Las Vegas because who wouldn't want to come to Las Vegas to watch a football game? So uh, it's kind of and of course there's a local fan base uh, that's absolutely being nurtured uh, and and brought along and that's gonna come along. But uh, in the meantime, as that's as that's happening simultaneous to that, you've got all your fans from all your various outposts throughout the country that just love coming out here for a game yeah yeah i I love that so yeah if you're gonna if you're gonna do it i think las vegas is the number one place to relocate to just because there's going to be an embedded 
feeling. It's like when you, as your, you know, as your friends, you move away and you move to a destination that all of your friends want to visit anyway. You're just going to have more people coming to visit than you would if you moved to Pittsburgh. Okay, that, to Pittsburgh. That's what it's like living in Las Vegas. You never miss out on anything. If you lived in uh, any other state, everyone wants to come see you. They could care less if you want to come see them. They will show up in Vegas, yeah. no doubt. Exactly, exactly. All right, Trista, real quick. Um, the NBA draft is tomorrow. Uh, give it to us. Who's going number one? It feels it feels very much like Jabari, barring some sort of crazy move, is going to go number one. Jabari um, Smith out of Auburn. Big mm-hmm. guy, can shoot, can defend. I think the thing that makes Jabari so interesting is he's such a great perimeter defender. Uh, 6'11", 6'10", really good kid. Not so sure how he fits with Orlando's scheme. And what they want to do, they've got a bunch of guys already at that position. Um, so the redundancy is definitely something to be think, thought about. There's been some scuttlebutt about or, um, about Houston moving to the number one spot to, to make sure they got Paolo. I don't know why they would do that, though, because every mock draft I've seen is, is Jabari, Chut Holmgren out of Gonzaga, and then Paolo Bancaro from Duke. Now, people who aren't super plugged into college basketball and don't know. I'm, I'm not really sure what your fan base is like, but Chet Holmgren is a very intriguing uh, prospect. He's seven feet tall. The closest comp that has ever been discussed for him is Kevin Durant, mostly because of his size uh, and his not only height, but his like skinny, light frame, but also his ability to, to handle the ball like a point guard. Uh, you know, And also on top of that, you know, Chet Holmgren can, can play a little bit of four or five in terms of playing defense and walking up bigger guys and, and getting after the ball uh, and, and blocking shots as well. So I really think he's the most intriguing in terms of his upside. For me, my favorite player is Paolo Bencaro. I got to see him live uh, in New York for the ACC championship game. Nice. Uh, or in the ACC tournament, I saw them play Miami. And, man, he's bigger. He's, I mean, when, when you say 6'10", 250, and you just say that out loud, it's really hard to kind of, put that into a, a human being, right? And you see him live and you're like, man, he is a monster. He is so much bigger than all the other kids around him and faster and more athletic. He hit threes with ease, just basically jumping the, 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 the size of like a, a credit card. He doesn't even need to really get up off the air at all. And on top of that, I think he was kind of misused at Duke. I think Coach K wants them to play through the system, but the real key is like just let uh, let Powell go to work. Just spread out, give Powell the ball, and good things happen. So I'm very interested to see how he fits in Houston. So lot going to be a lot of trades. A lot of people are trying to move up for the top, uh, the number four spot that Sacramento has for Jaden Ivey. Uh, Jaden Ivey is a kid who went to Purdue. I have questions about his, I guess, mentality for winning, given how he played down the stretch of the tournament against St. Peter's. He sort of disappeared. But a lot of people love him, high-character kid, um, mom is a coach, so I think that helps. But who's going to get the number four spot? I think that's the number one question. All right, I got, I got one seat left in the time machine. Let's, let's move forward five years. Who's, who, forget who's the number one pick, top five pick, whatever. Who's going to be the best player to come out of this draft? I think it's Chet. Ah, mm-hmm. I think it's Chet. If Chet does everything that we think he can do, Chet – Chet's the unicorn, right? Chet, I think, is the is the one player in this draft that we have really never seen before outside of that KD comp. 
which is one hell of a comp. That's great stuff. Trista Crick here with us on Raider Nation Radio. Trista, we love your work. Uh, I love your show on uh, BetMGM on Odyssey every night. Uh, it's fun to listen to, and uh, I really appreciate your time to uh, come out with here. And uh, we love hearing you on WFAN on Saturday nights. I know you always have a, uh, a wild group and a fanatical one at that because you could just stick Yankees all day long, but yet the, the ire of Giants and Jets football <laughs> looming in the distance is something that, that uh, always pricks the melodies. I love it. It is. We'll have to get together when I'm in Vegas in a few weeks. Absolutely. All right, let's do it. Hey, I appreciate it. Trista, have a great day. Thank you, Trista. You too, guys. At Trista underscore Crick on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, the, the Vegas Summer League is coming around very, very soon. And that is something that is one of the great events of the summer. It's a, You get 11, 12 days of it. Uh, they started off on a Friday night where the number one pick faces the number two pick in yep. the Thomas and Mac Arena. It's always packed. It's got the, the fanfare. You always have player autographs. And, and what's best about it is that when the Vegas Summer League comes to town, you see a lot of NBA coaches and executives oh, yeah. coming out and just sitting in the stands hanging out because, you know, this is a, an offseason thing for them. But they realized over the years that the summer leagues that were taking place in Utah or in Denver, for example, they just didn't allow uh, all the teams to be there and uh, kind of have the kind of access that fans can see the the players and coaches and the living legends. It's unparalleled to anything else in the NBA. Yeah, there used to be one in, in Los Angeles, Southern California for years, and that operation basically has moved here uh, to Las Vegas. The first time I ever saw Kobe Bryant was at the Long Beach Pyramid, um, his nice. summer league game. He was oh, like yeah? 17, 18 years old. Oh, he was a hooper then. He scored like 27 points, <laughs> probably took about 25 shots uh, to get there, so you knew it was coming with that. But the best guy, player on the court uh, that day was a guy by the name of Derek Fisher, uh, who was also was, was drafted in the first round that year. And the Lakers got Shaq, <laughs> Kobe, and, and Derek Fisher in that summer of, what was it, 1996. So, uh, so that obviously set them up. But yeah, I, I urge any basketball fan, uh, if you're nearby, to go check out uh, an, a, a full day of, of the NBA Summer League, because you see the gamut. You see all the young stars. You see some of the second-year players from so every team is going to be um you know represented but then you also have the free agents uh players that are you know trying to knock on a door um a, as well and you get like not just the nba people but you have all of the international scouts all the there great, yes that's going to be that's their lifeblood part of their lifeblood um is is, is finding talent that's not going to be necessarily nba talent but can make a whole lot of money over in europe or everywhere else in, in the country so it's just and it is laid back you see everybody everyone's going to be there and it's an extremely mellow, laid-back time of year, but there's work being done without question. Oh, it is, and uh, one of my favorite parts about it is seeing, like, the the journeymen who are always trying to uh, tag onto a team to be, like, you know, the last guy on a roster. There used to be uh, a, a great European player named uh, Nikolai Shkidishvili, yeah. and he was he was a big man that didn't like going down low. Uh, he would have worked great in this era, because yeah. like, he loved to shoot, but he would always find a different team each and every year, and it was just a joy to watch it, and uh, they, uh, they count fouls in this league, and the Vegas Summer League, but uh, nobody can foul out. So you could have somebody just rack up like 14,000. It's awesome. They continue to play, but it's coming up soon here in Raider Nation Radio. We'll be a part of it. We'll have tickets to give away and passes and a whole lot more. We'll step aside, Vinny and I, uh, here on Raider Nation Radio, and we'll take some calls on the Realty One Group listener line at 702-365-9200 here on this Freestyle Wednesday. Now back to Clay Baker with your morning tailgate on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Thanks again to Trista Crick and Eddie Borsilli. Those interviews will be up on our podcast page at lvsportsnetwork.com following the show here on Raider Nation Radio as well as on our podcast at iTunes, Amazon, Audible, and more. 
702-365-9200 is the Realty One Group listener line here. Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor on your Wednesday. Let's go out to the Rocky Mountain State with Rocky Mountain Raider Dave in Denver. Good morning to you, sir. Hey, the uh, trifecta of radio in the morning. How is everybody? Hey, good. Thank you. We're very good. It's uh, it's one in which I, I had to uh, uh, liked your text earlier about you know uh, Trayvon Merrick. Like you saw that you know the real potential of how good it is to have somebody that's solid. You know, back there in free safety. But even last year, you've you've been picking apart the game footage, looking at missed opportunities. Yeah, well, I think him. I don't know if it was a cautionary thing, but they had him so far off the line of scrimmage, they just did not want to get burnt deep by sure. anybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, he's just got to catch more balls out of the machine. I don't know what else to think. But it showed instincts uh, in the early half of the game against Cincinnati where he started to move to his left pre-snap and then covered the tight end and just didn't go forward with that. And I just don't understand how professional defensive backs don't commit to an area uh, and they're so concerned about, you know, kind of staying and watching instead of just making a commitment because the the clock is going off really quick in the quarterback's head. I would just love to see more aggressive play towards the ball uh, with uh, a defense inside the 20, you know, all the time okay. because, you know, I don't know. Even out the other 20, why not, you know, when you're going to, when you're, you know, backed up, you know, it, it just makes sense. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, not uh, not so much on Merrick today, but I wanted to make a comment. What you guys said about MVP with sure. Carr and the odds of it, you know, fifty bucks gets you twelve fifty. I think I'd take that. I, you know, <laughs> if it's a minimum, I don't know. But what got Carr from getting the MVP before? Who was it that finished ahead of him in sixteen? Was it the injury? Was it performance play a few weeks before that? And the MVP lately has gone to Mahomes, one of the highest paid, if not the highest paid quarterback in the league. They went to uh, Rodgers, another one that was highly paid. But let's not forget how many times that Brady got it, and he was not the highest paid in the league. And I think there's another tangible out there that is part of the yardage that's missed with the Raider offense is the screen game. And I think if you look at what McDaniels has been able to do in the past with other uh, lighter offensive linemen that were athletic, uh, they've been able to make that screen game uh, compile for at least 20% of Brady's yardage. So I think that's going to be the ability of this younger offensive line that can move is to bring this screen game to be something that we've really never seen. And I don't know that they'll do a lot of that preseason on tape. If you don't see it on tape, it's probably a good thing. It means they're going to bring it out because I can't wait to see what really happens the opening game against against the Chargers because nobody's going to have what McDaniels is going to use on tape. It's a huge advantage. Yeah, a couple things. Matt Ryan was the 2016 uh, MVP. And as far as uh, the screen game, I'm biting my tongue right now because I'm going to honor the code that we uh, have to adhere to as reporters that are at practices. And uh, But... Um, just, just, just uh, read between the lines when I'm biting my tongue uh, on on the screen game. Just saying. Those athletic backs that they've got, we're going to see something from Drake and 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 Jacobs that we've not seen before. And I just fully believe that Leatherwood and you know some others are going to be able to do this quite a bit. Plus, if you haven't noticed, they've got like eight tight ends right now. So those other sets, if you remember those offsets that they had of five guys on one side of the center, the New England. Yeah, they'll be you'll be seeing some of that. Oh, good stuff, Dave. I appreciate the call, man. Thank you, Dave. You got it.
you know the tight ends I, you see a lot of them in the uh on the list of of guys that are in the that were in the mini camp but i was thinking more of where they camp bodies though just to make sure that oh, yeah, you know yeah. uh you you don't want to overuse foster or darren waller but you know jacob hollister is a guy that had some uh some familiarity they're used to they they know what they got there but you know nick bowers jasper horstead cole fotheringham i mean i i don't expect them to be competing for spots um. Yeah. I mean, maybe at the back of the roster, and okay, if you yeah. can block, uh, and if you can play special teams, that's obviously going to uh, put you in a in a good position. Um, practice squad uh, as well. Uh, and the, the the way the rules are, I'm assuming they're going to stay the same with the practice squad, where you can bring guys up and down. Um. You know, uh, much more um, liberally than you did pre COVID. Uh, hopefully, those those rules uh, stay intact. Um, and then there's 31 other teams that you're also uh, competing for uh, eyeballs uh, with. So, you know, everybody has an opportunity, whether it's here with the Raiders, uh, here on the 53-man roster, or the, uh, you know, you elongate it to, the, to include the practice squad, uh, but other teams as well. So, and there's some, I could tell, there's there's some talent out there and some young, intriguing talent. It might not be right now for for some of these guys, um, but, uh, but, but you know, remember some of these names. Yeah, remember them, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, when you talk about uh, what it takes to get to an MVP type caliber uh, season, you know, it's a lot of it has to do with being able to pass touchdowns, and I think that'll be something that you'll see differently this year for a guy like Derek Carr because he's got more experienced wide receivers and also a real predication for scoring touchdowns in the red zone now with Mick Lombardi and Josh McDaniels. But this is a group of uh, experienced receivers that I don't think uh, Derek Carr has ever had to work with before. No, uh, he hasn't, and uh, Trista hit the nail on the head earlier. Those first four games, he was on track. Okay, and then you know I know people are like, well, it just it fell apart. Well, let's let's be honest about why it may have fallen apart. You lose Henry Ruggs, who is an emerging wide receiver, definitely starting to fulfill the promise of the long ball, and you know, kind of a difference maker at that. And then Darren Waller got hurt, and I'm not so sure that Darren Waller was ever really truly healthy throughout the season anyway, uh, even before the knee injury and the back injury um, later on in the year in November. Uh, the, the the knee injury was just devastating against the Dallas Cowboys, and it, and it shelved him uh, until basically the playoffs, and he was never really, you know, even even when he did come back, um, he was sort of a shell of, him, of himself. So there's mitigating reasons why things fell off, and let's, oh, by the way, what else happened? Yeah, the head coach and the play caller and the off, uh, the, you know, the, the de facto basically offensive coordinator um, gets, you know, has to resign after five games or so. So, you know, like if you're starting to look at why the why why Derek Carr fall off, why the offense fall off, there's a whole bunch of reasons why that happened. If everybody can stay healthy and uh, assuming there's no you know calamity. Uh, there's no reason why he shouldn't just pick up where you know it it, it sort of left off there when when all that stuff started happening, um, and maybe even be more so because you have like you just said veterans now uh, around him. If they could all stay healthy, uh, this has a chance to be pretty special for the Raiders and for Derek Carr. It's Raider Nation Radio here on the morning tailgate. Sam and Ash are going to join us here in just a few minutes, and we'll talk about the recent uh, case for Deshaun Watson as he'll eventually approach um, you know, the NFL and Roger Goodell as he wrapped up uh, 20 of the 24 civil lawsuits yesterday in a settlement. We'll see how that portrays as well four guys uh, in that position because the collective bargaining agreement is something that you still have to hold strong to. We'll talk to Sam and Ash about that at 945. And yeah, you know, Clay, uh, our good friend Krista, uh, Trista uh, brought up 
you know, Las Vegas, the market, maybe an NBA team here, everything that's going on here. You know what that usually signals to the the uh, real estate market uh, is, is growing and exploding uh, right before our very eyes. Uh, and and you know what? This could be your time to either buy or sell a home. And the Realty One Group wants to be the ones to be part of your story. Uh, we just mentioned it. The housing market is hectic, but it's still a great time to sell and even buy the home of your dreams. You'll need a hardworking real estate professional to get it done, though, and they've got you covered. They know the market. They know the neighborhoods. They know the transactions, and they know they can do this for you. The Realty One Group was founded in Las Vegas, and it's been their home for more than 11 years. In that time, they've been opening doors for their clients and opening doors for real estate professionals to live better lives. They're also proud to give back to their community, donating their time and resources to make an impact. So whether you're buying or selling, Please call the Realty One Group uh, uh, today at 888-461-0101. That's 888-461-0101. The grill is still sizzling and the drinks are cold. So let's get back to your morning tailgate with Clay Baker on R&R 920 AM. Every Wednesday at this time, we get street legal with Sam and Ash Injury Law. Sam and Ash here with you. On Raider Nation Radio, 702-820-1234, SamAndAshLaw.com, because you deserve what's right. Good morning. Thank you for coming on with us and being flexible. How are you? I'm great, Clay. How are you? I'm very I've got good. Sam here. I'm here, too. I'm here, too. Oh, thank yeah. you, Ash. Thank you, Sam. I'm, I'm glad you're both here. Hey, look, we just wanted to get some a little bit of clarity and, and want to put you in maybe Roger Goodell's shoes, as, as, as strange as that <laughs> would seem. The imagery is really awful. But the idea is that when you see Deshaun Watson settling 20 out of the 24 civil lawsuits, as you're starting to prepare for a conversation, Roger Goodell is, and starting to find some sort of adjudication on how do you set forth punishment against the conduct policy how do you think the nfl will start taking a look at this and is this time for like a a deterrent punishment or do you start taking a look at like all right we have to go by the guidelines set forth by a cba yeah well maybe i think goodell's a little distracted right now with his own lawsuits yes there is myself uh putting myself in his shoes i think uh, i think he's i think they're observing that they're looking at it but remember it's not an admission of guilt and I bet you, I, this is going to be a very unpopular opinion, but I bet you that the NFL is relieved. They're seeing that these claims are going away, that a majority of them have now evaporated. No, I have to remind you, Clay, I know you're, you're big on this, but you, you, you know, they're a, a literally a grand jury decided not to press charges. No, I'm seeing your way on now, this now. I am. I'm, I'm, I'm totally you know, seeing your way because. And, and now. Right. And 20 of the, of the lawsuits are going away. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, there's, there are plenty. And, and who knows? I mean, maybe these, they, we don't know that it's all confidential. But look, maybe they were each given you know, 20 grand to go, go get, get lost and, and, and give the lawyers something to, you know, to just make it, make it go away. And, and, and he's slowly eating away at this strategically. Now it's a far weaker case and far less serious than it was before. So in, in putting it another way, while some may look at this and go, oh, why isn't the NFC, dirt, you know, smoke means fire. I actually look at it differently. I, I think it's far less of a problem now for, for Deshaun than it was, uh, that it maybe was two months ago. 
I'm seeing your way on this, Sam. At first, I think it was more uh, I was more uh, based on outrage and I don't like the behavior, but none of that has anything to do with how they're going to adjudicate this. Uh, and that's not how this league is going to work, but they're going to go and like, look, if the grand jury didn't find anything, uh, how this is all going to play out, uh, you know what? Even, Ash, like you, you've ever seen like where like certain law firms where they'll go and have this large, uh, you know, like 24 cases of civil uh, that needs to get settled, right? And they'll settle like 20 out of 24, which they did here. Now, how many times do you see a law firm start to like back away from the client and say look we got you this far but we're done now because this case has been in the headlines for over a year and we've maxed out well if you have a law firm and a, an attorney takes your case they shouldn't back out it, the only reason they would is if the client is becoming unreasonable where deshaun watson has offered them a reasonable settlement settlement amount and now the client is trying to refuse that unreasonably and what happens is is then the attorneys are fronting costs to continue the case that they mm -hmm. see they will not get paid back based on what's playing out with the evidence uh, the critical thing here as sam pointed out the nfl is still going to run its investigation with the evidence it has before it remember the nfl and the players association have agreed on how these investigations go forward and the critical thing here is Deshaun Watson is giving the NFL mitigating factors to look at when they are making a determination on his sentence. The mitigating factors here, he's resolving the litigation. He wants to put this behind him. He wants to get back on the field. He's also acknowledged that he's getting counseling. And so that's another gesture to the NFL that he is trying to do the work Take it easy on me when you're going to le levy a punishment, but I'm still prepared for something that we've never seen before, such as maybe a full season suspension. So I would not be surprised that even though these have gone away, that he doesn't still face significant punishment. It's Sam and Ash here with us on this Wednesday Street Legal every Wednesday at 945 on Raider Nation Radio. SamandAshLaw.com as well as Sam and Ash Law on Instagram as well on Twitter because you deserve what's right. Strange st story that I thought would start to uh, you know level out and things would get fixed with Brittany Griner and Russia. Uh, the WNBA star was arrested in February for allegedly bringing uh, you know uh, hashish into the country uh, but now she is still in jail. Uh, in fact, uh, or her wife tried to get a hold of her, but yet all these calls to the Russian embassy are going uh, unpicked up. They're not; they're being evaded, and the Kremlin now has to come out and say she is not a hostage. Brittany Griner is not a hostage. But how long is it going to take for to get somebody out of that area? Considering all the turmoil and chaos that's happening between uh, the Ukraine and Russia, all this stuff is it's all becoming to like uh, come to fruition. But she is stuck in the middle. Uh, this is going to take a while. Uh, and, and, and unfortunately, her uh, greatest crime is being in Russia at, at the most uh, unfortunate moment. So she, you know, the, her arrest obviously was over some, you know, a weed pen and, and, and you know, marijuana is a forbidden substance in, in, in Russian Federation. But she's being held as a political uh, pawn and a captive. Right. And so this. This is not about any kind of legal proceeding. This has everything to do with an enormous and unprecedented geopolitical tension in the region. And we are, uh, it's, it's not, if I were her family, if I were advising them, I would, I would tell them that this is unfortunately not a legal case. It is an absolutely a, a matter of diplomacy. And that the only way, I would say the best strategy to get her out would be to find out if, not through the U.S., 
but through another country, if there's any connection to a friendly country mm. with with Russia, if you, any family, friends, any connections, she's you know she's obviously a public person. If she's ever played in China, if she's ever played in India, any uh, Turkey, even any country that has dialogue continues to have good dialogue with Russia. That's her way out, and and, and you're not really reading that anywhere in the news. People coming up with that because they see it so so binary, you know, U.S. Russia, West versus East, but. You know, I, I would think that would be the best way to move forward on this. Ash, they got to find some sort of dialogue because whatever is working now, um, you know, it, they, it, this is not the good plan. And they, they need to find some sort of a liaison internationally to kind of help uh, get this going. But then again, uh, everyone will start to say, well, you're playing favorites because she is a celebrity. Uh, how does this all pan out and how much longer can can this go on? Well, I mean, it can go on forever. Unfortunately, we got to remember in the U.S., we've got this great thing called the Constitution. We have liberties and due process, and we have all these rights to speedy trials that we're given by the very nature of being on U.S. soil. Uh, when you get off U.S. soil, that's, that's not a guarantee. And so they don't have to play by our rules, and that's what we're seeing. We are seeing how other justice systems work in the world, and in newsflash, they're not they're not pretty. So that's the the sad part here is they can take as long as they want. And I'm with Sam. They need to uh, the Griner family needs to start getting creative. Whether it's a private party that can broker it, whether it's the team that she played for while in Russia, whether they can negotiate some type of deal. That's how they've got to start getting creative because the U.S. is not the the ticket in my in my view. It's Sam and Ash here with us on Wednesday. Final minutes here. I got to ask you this question because uh, we saw it explode on TMZ, where somebody captured on 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 their phones a, an incident between a security guard and uh, somebody that was uh, at Box Park Wembley in the United Kingdom in London, and they were uh, you know it was just somebody you know a fan or whomever was getting in a security guard's face, and the security guard dropped the guy with one right hook. Well, that happened to be former heavyweight boxer Julius Francis. I wanted to know uh, if somebody was once a former fighter and a boxer, like a world class. Uh, fighter uh is is it can anybody sue them for you know if they lash out even though they're a security guard and they have to somewhat defend you know uh, their responsibilities and duties but because you have that one status as a as a trained fighter uh does that mean you're allowed to punch people without sort of repercussions because you have uh you know deadly hands your hands are lethal weapons how, how does that get played out especially if anyone tried to bring something out in a lawsuit against that security guard julius francis well, I actually, it's, it's, it's even worse for the company that employed him and put him there in that position because he, in fact, his training makes his fists literally deadly weapons. Right. Here in the States, and particularly here in Las Vegas, a lot of people get hurt by security guards who go too far. It's very common. If this has happened to you, call us immediately, okay, because we handle these cases all the time. There's a non-delegable duty that a, that a premises has when it comes to security and 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 they they can't they can't pass the blame off on on the guard or even on a third party company that operates security so this to me this is a if this, if this particular incident occurred right here in Las Vegas that would be a lawsuit and and there's liability on the company on the individual on everybody involved uh, because from what i saw in the video it, it was excessive force and it was inappropriate Oh, this is fascinating stuff. I love it when you guys are on. Thank you both for coming on today and being flexible on the phone. Sam and Ash, Injury Law, every Wednesday at this time, samandashlaw.com, because you deserve what's right. I hope you have a great and safe day, and let's do it again next week. Sounds good, Clay. All right, thank you. Sam and Ash, thank you. 
coming on with us. Make sure you check him out in both Nevada and in California, Sam and Ash Law, because you deserve what's right. We're out of time. Coming up next, it's Rich Eisen. Then you got JT the Brick and Q Myers on a full day of Raider Nation Radio. For Vinny and Heidi, I'm Clay. Have a great day, everyone. Hey, guys. It's your boy, Vinny B. from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news. All TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right. TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas.